Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes. I am so glad you're here. This podcast explores all the things that our younger selves needed to hear, whether that was 30 years ago, 3 years ago, or yesterday. After you listen to this episode, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite listening platform. You can also find me on Instagram and TikTok at Love Letters and Mixtapes, or send me an email at loveletters at gmail.com. Before we begin discussing our topic today, I wanted to check in with you, wherever you are, whoever you are, whenever you listen, because this podcast is for you. And by that I mean, it's not about me being right, or always saying the right thing or the perfect thing. And I know that it can be really confusing when we are bombarded with media every single day, and the rightness is usually the thing that is driving that media. I started this podcast so that we could feel like we were not alone, that we could be affirmed in our experiences, and we could begin creating community by listening in every week and whatever I'm talking about, having it plant a seed, having that seed grow roots in your own life. I never approach these topics from rightness. And I hope that that's getting across because I don't know you. I don't know the truth of your life. I don't know what you're going through. I created this so that we could begin talking about those things that we've always been encouraged not to talk about. And we could find some freedom, some breath, some space, maybe a little forgiveness in hearing someone talk about this. And it could generate something in our own lives. So this podcast is never about anything coming back to me. And I really encourage you to take whatever we're talking about here and maybe start in conversations with people in your own lives. That's what would make me the happiest. Because even without knowing you, I trust you. I trust your assessment of your life. I trust your experience. I trust in your ability to figure out what is right for you and when the timing is right and how to do it, and what to do, and what to say. And maybe you have a life filled with people who feel that way and affirm you, and maybe you don't have anyone affirming you. And maybe that's what this podcast can be for you, a place where you are seen and heard and can generate curiosity and thought and help you bring language to things that have been going on inside of you, in your own life, and you can share that with the people around you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So on that note, let's start exploring our topic for this week. And today we are going to talk about self-sabotage. And I've mentioned this topic several times on this podcast. And it's one of those things where I think our mind tells us that we want a one and done experience. We want to be able to check something off a list because it brings up uncomfortable feelings in us. So if I talk about something that we don't like about ourselves, we want it to just be done once and be like, oh yeah, I got that. I'll never do that again. But the reality is that our lives very rarely work that way. 
I don't know about you, but I am often given the gift of repeated similar experiences. And the opportunity there is that I can approach them in a new way with a new set of emotional tools. And so when we talk about self-sabotage, it can be really uncomfortable. It's one of those things that brings up a lot of self-conscious energy, a lot of fear. Maybe it brings up shame. Maybe it reminds us of things that we've done that we're trying to run away from. Those things that every time we think of them, we shudder and we're like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Can I just delete that memory of myself from that other person's mind because I don't think I can continue to exist knowing that someone else knows that I did or said that. But as we often do on this podcast, we're going to be gentle with ourselves today. This topic of self-sabotage is not being brought up so that you can beat yourself up or weaponize it against yourself. It's about forgiveness. It's about healing. It's about growth. So what are we talking about when we're talking about self-sabotage? I'm sure there are a million different definitions and someone can tell you that they're the expert in it. I'm not. I'm a student of it. I'm walking this path just like you. And for me, I think self-sabotaging behaviors are the ones that create problems in our daily lives, the ones that impact our ability to function, the ones that interfere with our long-term goals, the things that are preventing us from being the people that we want to be, that we know we can be. I also look at self-sabotage as a profound mismatch between values and behavior, who we know we are and who we are showing the world that we are. And these are things that happen consciously and unconsciously. And that's very important because, again, we can beat ourselves up and say, oh, I'm just continually doing this thing. No, I think that very often our self-sabotaging behaviors are probably sneaking up on us they're probably surprising us a little bit. This podcast is an invitation to bring some awareness to them. And it's not about punishing ourselves. It's about saying, it's okay for me to come to terms with this thing that I am doing, with this area of my life. And when I come to terms with it, maybe I can do something about it. I often use the saying, you get what you got when you do what you did. And I think that really applies to self-sabotage. So if we want something different, this conversation is our entry point to that of saying, maybe I am capable of something more, something better, something different, something more aligned with my values. But if I'm constantly running away from what I've done, I can never reflect on those values or on my behavior. And chances are I can't make changes. So what does self-sabotage look like in our own lives? I want to walk through some examples, and of course I'm not going to be able to touch on every example. It's really not always about the facts of what we're talking about. It's about the feelings that resonate. So I'm going to encourage you to drop into feelings and see, am I relating to any of this self-sabotage? I think one of the easiest places to recognize self-sabotage is within our relationships, and that could be an intimate partnership could be a friendship, could be a family relationship, maybe even relationships at work. We can see this happen here because it's a little bit more emotionally charged. How does self-sabotage play out? What does it look like in these relationships and what is our role? Very often the first place that I think of or see self-sabotage is in 
wanting to control the ending of a relationship because we are so scared that the other person might end it. Or we're so scared that they're going to see something about us that we have been trying desperately to hide from the world. And we want them close, but not that close. And we want that intimacy, but not if that intimacy makes us feel vulnerable. And we want this relationship, but we cannot deal with the ups and downs and the unknowns of a relationship. And that may cause us to do something to bring a relationship to a premature end. Because at least if I do that, at least if I destroy it or bring it to some type of ending, I never have to sit there and worry about you ending it. I never have to sit there and worry about you looking at me, thinking about the thing that I'm not doing, or you calculating my unworthiness. Or am I attractive enough? Am I smart enough? Am I making enough money? Am I liked by your friends and family? Am I the person you see yourself with? All of these things that can cause us to have just intense anxiety and fear about our unworthiness. And we can bring a relationship to an end, and it can be the last thing in the world that we want. But man, it almost feels better than thinking that one day you could look at me and want to end it. And I don't think I could survive that. What about in relationships when we are not getting the emotional response that we want? And we would almost prefer negative reactivity. We would almost prefer anger. We would almost prefer a fight to nothingness. And this can touch on our wound of invisibility, that fear that we're being ignored, that we are not engaging in some type of emotional back and forth. And how does that show up? What does self-sabotaging look like there? Because it's pretty particular. And that can look like antagonizing someone. It can look like jabbing them verbally. You can almost create those fights and create that reactivity. And then you can hold your hands up and say, what do you mean? Why are you getting so upset? But you're almost looking for that reactivity because that affirms that you're still here. You're still valuable. You are worth getting angry at. And that can be a really challenging discussion to have. And I do not want that to be confused with situations where there is abuse. We are not talking about that. And we have to be able to talk about some of the negative things we do and not correlate them with the worst possible situation. If any of us reflects on our own lives, we can think of a time when we antagonized someone else to create a fight, to create some type of reaction. And that is not the same as someone harming us. So I really want to be clear about that. We have to be able to take our own inventory in those moments and saying, did I do something that I knew was going to drive that person crazy because I was feeling invisible or I was scared that there was a lack of emotion in the relationship? Am I willing to do anything to engage with this person emotionally? And I cannot stand the thought of being overlooked, being invisible. I can't stand the thought of neutrality and I have to do something to stir up some kind of bond. Self-sabotage also shows up in relation to our families and the homes we grew up in and the dynamics that became very normalized for us. And we could grow up telling ourselves every single day that I will never be in a relationship like this. I will never be in a home like this. I would never talk to someone else like that. I would never do this. And we believe that. We really feel that that is true. And we really mean it when we're saying it. 
and we get out there in the world and we immediately revert back to those patterns, those habits, those things that we have been wired to do from years and years of interacting with our families. And there's something that goes on in our minds that says, I was part of the problem back then because I didn't crack the code. I didn't figure out how to navigate, play chess, project myself into the future to figure out all of your moves, or I wasn't hypervigilant enough back then, but now, now I know better. Now I'll do better. Now I'm more hypervigilant. Now I can play a better chess game. Now I can do and say the right thing, and I'm going to repeat this pattern, but it's going to be different this time. And that can be so hard to deal with. It is extremely challenging, but it is not uncommon to move through those experiences where we're out there in the world, we have agency, we're away from the people, places, and things that we had these harmful experiences with, and what do we do? We almost recreate those experiences so that we can get it right this time, so that we can affirm that we did have some level of control, we just hadn't figured it out yet when we were younger. And I don't say that so anyone beats themselves up ever, which I think I really try to get across in these podcasts. I say that because that awareness can bring so much freedom that we never have to do that again. And when I say that we are wired for these things from the house we grew up in or the relationship dynamics we were around, that's the best news because we can rewire and we can make changes and we can try something new. And we are safe to do that now. We don't have to repeat those patterns. And I want to pause here for a second because I think as I'm moving through these examples, it is very easy to think about all the people in our lives who are doing exactly what I'm talking about. And we can point fingers and we probably have a running list in our heads of like, oh, he did that. Oh, she did that. Oh, I know a person who does that. And that's not what this conversation is about. This conversation is always bringing the reflection back inwards and saying, do I do that? And even if I only do it 5% or 1% in my life, what is happening? What is the ripple effect from that? Can I change it? And am I willing to change it? And if as I was talking, you instantly thought of that one person in your life who's constantly antagonizing people and bringing relationships to abrupt ends because they can't deal with all the feelings that they're feeling, I invite you to bring that reflection back home, to release that other person, release your judgment of them, and bring yourself to a mirror of sorts and say, how and when do I do that? How and when have I done that? And what could I have done different? So to recap relationships and self-sabotage, I think the number one thing is we are engaging in self-sabotaging behavior because we are seeking predictability. We are feeling so out of sorts because of the anxiety or the fear, the fear of being unwanted, of not being chosen, of not being loved, of not being seen or heard. And we can self-sabotage because we want that predictable ending. We want something we can rely on. If we cannot rely on your love or your kindness, I can rely on what I can get you to do by sabotaging. And maybe deep down inside, we're feeling that relationships are scary. Relationships are surrounded by fear because those were our primary relationships that we had when we were younger. And we feel in that closeness that we all yearn for. We all want that intimacy, that love, that vulnerability. But as we get closer to it, all we are reminded of is our previous experiences with that. 
and they were not safe. And we have to do anything we can possibly do to make sure that we are safe. And self-sabotaging is a great way to do that. I mentioned the antagonizing in relationships. And I think creating that trouble or that disruption in the relationship is an amazing distraction because then I no longer have to sit with my discomfort. I no longer have to feel those feelings that come up when I feel someone pulling away or I feel that I'm losing my place in their life or they're not giving me the attention that I want. And I cannot sit with those feelings. But if I'm engaging in that sabotaging behavior and I'm antagonizing and I'm riling someone up and I'm trying to create that reactivity, I don't have to sit with myself. I can point a finger at you. I think most of us really want that vulnerability and intimacy and closeness in relationships, but maybe it looked very different for us as kids or as teenagers or young adults. Maybe that vulnerability really just, in fact, made us vulnerable to something negative. And it wasn't about closeness and it wasn't about connection. Maybe it was about violation. And our version of self-sabotage is a way to say, I am not comfortable with this new version of vulnerability because it reminds me of the old one. And if I can destroy something, if I can sabotage something, if I can play defense, if I can tap into my anger, maybe I'll make it out of this thing alive. Self-sabotage is also a powerful way to affirm the negative, horrible things that we were told about ourselves, the untrue stories that were fired at us from people who were not in a good place. And those stories eventually began to take root within us and it became how we felt about ourselves. And self-sabotage is a way to tell the world, see, this is how I feel about myself. Don't you know? I can't sit around waiting for you to figure it out, waiting for you to also think about me the way this other person thought about me. So I'm going to lead with it and I'm going to push you away. I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to make sure I never feel that way again. I never want to be surprised by how little someone values me. It's also a way to discard these undesirable parts of ourselves. We can disperse it in the world instead of having to contain it within ourselves. Self-sabotage also shows up in so many other ways. It could be our critical inner voice, that voice that is constantly saying, you are not good enough, you are not strong enough, you are not smart enough, you are not attractive enough, you're not making enough money, no one would ever love you, no one would ever like you, everyone just pities you. That, that voice, that voice that's horrible, that shows up every now and then. And if you've never had that voice, that is amazing. But I think for the rest of us that are very familiar with that inner critic, the one that is saying, none of this is ever going to work out. You are going to make the mistake. They're going to figure you out. You're just fooling everyone right now. And that person, when they get to actually know you, they're not going to like you. They're not going to want to know you. That voice can create those feelings of self-sabotage, those stories that have been running through our minds and sort of distorting over time. That is a story. It is not who we are. It is a story about who we are. And we have to begin telling ourselves a new story. Self-sabotage also looks like procrastination. This is one that we could probably recognize in other people, but is very challenging to recognize in ourselves. But what does that look like and what does it actually mean? I personally don't think procrastination is someone just being lazy or forgetful. I actually feel it is their fear of the future. It's so strange because it turns into this self-fulfilling prophecy where by procrastinating, they're actually ruining the outcomes. 
And it does help us to feel more in control very temporarily. And then it creates this massive out of control feeling afterward. So if that's you and you're feeling like, oh, I feel called out. I procrastinate in my personal life. I procrastinate at work. This is an invitation to think about that and to tap into that fear that comes up that tells you, no, 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 I don't need to do that right now and delay. And what does that fear and delay cause in your life? And why are we so willing to bargain away our future or gamble away our future to avoid those present moments of discomfort, fear, or pain? Sometimes I think it calls back to those wounds we have from when we were younger and we have this almost childlike view of the world where everything is easy for everyone else, the grass is always greener, and I'm just someone who wasn't given the instructions. It's hard for me, it's not hard for anyone else. And when I find myself in that space, that's when I really have to check in with myself. And I get to remind myself that life is all of these things. The grass is not greener for everyone else. Everyone drops into moments of discomfort, fear, anxiety, and pain. And if I bring myself into my present moment, my present life, my present body and experiences and opportunities, I know that I have an incredible toolkit to navigate this world as an empowered adult. And that I'm no longer that disempowered child who had to look at the world that way. I have an opportunity to see the world differently now. Another way that many of us run away from pain, and one that is probably the most damaging in our lives, is substance use. And I think the ones that rise to our mind immediately are alcohol and drugs. But I'm of the belief that we can turn anything into a substance that we misuse. And so I want you to expand your thought process around this. This could be shopping. It could be food. It could be sex. It could be gambling. It could be debt. It could be other people and relationships. Anything that we are using to numb those feelings within ourselves, to quiet that chatter in our brains, that anxiety, that fear, that pain, anything that we're doing to put distance between us and us. And only you know what that is for you. It's not up to me to define it for you. But if we are introducing something into our lives that is preventing us from being in a truthful relationship with what is going on, I think we have to look at it again and say, am I doing this to get through a situation, to numb myself, to prevent myself from showing up to the reality of it? And where is it getting me? What is it doing for me? And how is it possibly damaging my life. And that leads us to a discussion of control, how that shows up in our life and the story it tells us. I think for many of us, we can recognize that a feeling of control can help us navigate those challenging situations. But what does control also do? Control makes us very rigid. Control really minimizes our ability to see our options, our opportunities, our strengths, our weaknesses. Control really keeps us on this straight and narrow path. And it definitely has its moments in our lives where it is serving us. But when we think about self-sabotage, I really do think about control because control is actually cutting us off from opportunities, from inspiration from surprise, from joy, from the unknown. 
And I know for so many of us, the unknown, we just think it's terrifying. Isn't it terrifying all the time? If the unknown as a kid was something that could possibly kill you, and I'm sitting here on a podcast in my nice sunlit home on a Sunday morning talking about the unknown, how unrelatable am I, right? If you're thinking the unknown was going to kill me, how am I supposed to open my life up to the unknown? I'm here to remind you that you are no longer in that situation. The unknown could be something you, you just didn't even see coming. You had no idea you were ready for. You had no idea that you deserved. You had no idea that you were worthy of. The unknown can come in many, many forms. And so it's not about us being that stern guard at the gate and not letting anything in. It's about letting things in and knowing and trusting that we have the tools to navigate whatever comes. People-pleasing is another challenging form of self-sabotage, and this one is pretty nuanced because there's this voice that is telling us, aren't I the good guy? Aren't I the nice person? I'm being helpful. I'm saying yes. I'm making sure you have what you need at any cost. It's coming from a good place. Aren't my intentions good? And so, again, this podcast is not about us beating ourselves up, but people-pleasing can be a little manipulative because in what scenario does someone get everything that they want? In what scenario is saying no sometimes not helpful for us? In what scenario would we walk through life without boundaries, without limits, without our wants and needs being present as well? And if we are muting ourselves in our relationships with an inability to say no, an inability to show up as our authentic self in order to please this other person, that is not showing up in truth. And again, that's really difficult to navigate as we're telling ourselves, no, I'm the caretaker, I'm the fixer, I'm the one who can make everything better. And we're creating that role for ourselves. And I encourage you to think about times in your life when that role validated your worth. When that role was something that kept you safe, that role was the thing that created emotional attachments in your life, and it was the only way to get those emotional attachments. And I am not here to say that you are wrong or bad for wanting to fix things or be caretaking or nurturing or wanting to make people happy. I am here saying, at what point am I minimizing, hiding, sacrificing myself in order to do that? And is there a way that I can do these things in my life that doesn't come at the cost of me? How can I bring strength and joy and responsibility and reliability and love and all that positive energy into the relationships in my life without sacrificing myself? And as we discussed self-sabotage this morning and all of these examples, you know that I've left so many examples out. I couldn't possibly touch on every single one of them, but I think we've talked about them in a way that you can see that these behaviors are going against ourself and our goals and our values. And we have not set out to self-sabotage. And this is important if we have the reflex to beat ourselves up and to punish ourselves. This is the opposite that I'm talking about. Maybe you listened to this podcast and you were a little irritated by some of the examples I gave, or you were surprised that I said something you do every day is self-sabotaging because you thought, I'm just trying to get through my day. 
I'm just trying to get through this relationship. I'm just trying to move through life. What you call self-sabotage, I call preservation. Why are you picking on me? No one's picking on you. I'm sure there are hundreds of people listening to this podcast episode right now who are nodding their heads and saying, yeah, I do the same thing. And so in talking about it, we are saying we are not alone. We are not bad. We are not unworthy. We are people who are having a very human experience. And we're trying to figure out a way to have a greater experience and not limit ourselves. Because at the end of the day, I feel that self-sabotage is so limiting. And we have the capacity for so much more. And as I'm talking about capacity, I also want to say that I have the capacity for the good things as much as I have capacity for the things that I deem bad. I have capacity for uncomfortable feelings. I have capacity to navigate challenging situations. I can do those things. And that's the message of this podcast is that we can all do those things. And we might think that we only get positive feelings when we are given pleasant experiences. But if you've ever surprised yourself with your ability to navigate something that is deeply challenging, you know what that does for you inside. How whole that makes you feel. How grounded, how rooted, how strong. And those things are important. So when we self-sabotage, we limit ourselves and we cut ourselves off from the opportunity to grow through those experiences. And the growth is really important. So I never want to record a podcast and make anyone feel like they are hopeless and helpless and there's nothing they can do. There is always something we can do where we are with what we have. I am a real believer that we always have the opportunity to make changes in our lives to change who we are, what we do, how we show up for ourselves and others. And this topic of self-sabotage is no different. In talking about this, I am not dooming you to some life sentence. I'm saying by introducing this awareness, we are placing a key in the lock of liberation. We are releasing ourselves from this belief that we have to live this way. I really encourage journaling as a way to inventory what we are doing, and how it is moving through our lives. When we're talking about self-sabotage, I would almost start at the very end, the end of my day, if I just took a few notes about how things unfolded. And then we bring it back just a little bit every day closer to the initial feeling of discomfort. So if I am journaling every night and I'm talking about how I got into a fight with this person or I was left out of this thing or this thing didn't work out, and I'm beginning to bring awareness to that, over time, I will bring awareness closer to the initial trigger response and reactivity, closer to that initial feeling of discomfort that I sabotage to get away from. And that is why knowing ourselves is such an important step in this process. Learning our triggers, identifying our self-sabotaging behaviors, Bring some awareness to that. I promise you, you're going to see the same things over and over and over again when you begin to bring awareness to it. And when we take time on a daily basis to reflect on that, to carve out that space, we are saying that we are willing to change. It doesn't have to change overnight, but that willingness builds its muscle. And we begin to naturally gravitate towards that place of willingness to do something different. Very often on this podcast, we talk about the stories we tell ourselves. 
And a great way to step back from that is introducing mindfulness. So when I say mindfulness, you can think about like a silent meditation retreat. I'm actually not talking about that. I think that that's probably amazing. But I'm talking about mindfulness in our everyday, bringing awareness to what we are doing, how we are doing it, bringing awareness to other people. How are they responding to the world? How are they responding to us? What can we learn about that? How much information can come flooding towards us when we step away from this story we are telling about every single person and every single thing? And what would that feel like to realize maybe we got it wrong? Maybe that other person isn't my enemy. Maybe that other person isn't judging me. Maybe that other person isn't dangerous. Maybe this situation will not be the death of me. What would that allow us to do? How would that allow us to show up in our lives? I think that leads me to talk about inevitable failure. Self-sabotage stems from a place within us where we don't want to fail. That could be failing in relationships. It could be failing at work, failing in life. We don't want to be seen as weak. We don't want to be seen as imperfect. Maybe we don't want to be seen at all. And I think getting comfortable with the idea of being a human who fails and that being an absolutely normal thing that people go through. And if the goal of my life is to get through it with perfection and to never make a mistake, I am cutting myself off from so many things. We learn so many lessons through failure. I know that that can be really challenging where failure as a kid, being disempowered, living in an abusive or scary situation, the idea of failure is terrifying. So I'm here to remind you that we are no longer in those situations. We are free to fail. We are free to try new things. We are free to make mistakes. And if we go through life always waiting for that next shoe to drop, always waiting for that I gotcha God to come down and punish us for being too happy, we are limiting ourselves. And so a way to navigate that can often be compassion and acceptance. And maybe those two things are not what we have been practicing lately. And me talking about it, you just even get the ick from hearing the words. And you're like, self-compassion, self-acceptance? Never. <laughs> you know, I absolutely understand that. It can be so challenging. If we have survived some traumatic things, and I'm talking about self-acceptance, and we're accepting that part of ourself that was wounded through that, it can be so triggering and it can be so difficult. And on the other side of it, it can be so beautiful and empowering and saying, I love that part of me that got through that. I love that person. And it's okay. It's not okay that it happened. It is okay that I survived and I belong here. I am allowed to take up space. And so as I'm talking about acceptance and compassion, it's saying that there is space in the world for me. I have a voice, I have thoughts, I have flaws, I have weaknesses, I have all of these amazing things, these gifts that I can bring to the world, and there is space for me here, and I belong here. And maybe that is your first step in compassion, is reminding yourself that there is room for you. And whatever voice is going on in your head that says, no, 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 you have to cut off this part of yourself to belong here. No, 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 please hide that part of yourself behind your back because... No one wants to see that traumatized version of yourself. No one wants to hear about that thing you can't even talk about. Maybe that is that private practice of acceptance and compassion. 
setting aside time every night where you allow for that part of yourself to rise up and say, it's really okay that you're here and it's more than okay. It's actually amazing that you are here and you are loved and you are seen and you are heard and there's no part of you that needs to be rejected. And I've always found it so interesting that when I witness someone introducing more acceptance and compassion into their own lives, they begin to naturally share that with the people around them. And there's this beautiful ripple effect. And when I can tolerate and accept and understand all the parts of me that belong here, maybe I can also see you that way as well. In closing, I want to remind us that this episode was for us. This episode was not so that we could weaponize it against someone else. It's not so that we could punish ourselves. It's not so that we could take someone else's inventory and say, oh, see, I knew that you did that. This episode is about affirming our experiences and our feelings and saying that if we increase our tolerance and our ability to navigate those feelings, we can make some profound changes in our lives. If up until this point, we have had no ability to navigate our experience with anxiety or fear in relationships, and we begin to just introduce this tolerance a little bit, a few minutes every single day, where would that bring us in relationship? What would that do for us? How would that change our perspective on the world? I began this episode talking about how this topic was planting a seed. It will never just be a one-and-done thing. There are layers and depth to this, and we are allowed to have deeper experiences with things. We don't have to master them in one take, even if that's the thing that we told ourselves as kids that we could navigate very difficult situations. As adults, we get to peel back the layers of the onion and keep going deeper into this topic. So I hope that for you, this discussion of self-sabotage introduced some awareness, some relief, some tolerance, some breath. And if you resonated with this topic and this episode, I encourage you to maybe share it with one other person in your life and use it as a baseline to create a conversation about this topic for the two of you. It's not about both of you patting me on the back. It's about using this as a tool to begin a discussion so that you can work on this together. And until next time, make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform. You can also take a moment to like, rate, and review this podcast, or maybe send me an email at loveLettersAndMixtapes at gmail.com with topics that you would like me to discuss on this podcast.